Our scripture reading today is from Exodus, chapter 12, verse 14. This is a day you are to commemorate for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. Amen. Amen. How many of you feel it's too warm? Okay, I see that hand. You know what I've learned to do when it gets really, really hot? And I did this this morning. I get in my car, I turn on the air conditioner, and I put a CD in the player, Christmas music. And I feel cool and calm and collected. So maybe you want to try that. I don't know, but it seems to me that would be one way to cool off. Another way is to just relax in the Lord's service and say thank God for the goodness of the Lord and for the opportunity to minister and serve our Lord. Today we're looking at two very special things, and I've entitled this A Declaration of Dependence. You know it was in July 4th and going beyond that we talked about a Declaration of Independence, and we're talking about that uh, on Tuesday. The flags will fly, the anthems will ring, and we'll all feel how wonderful it is to be a part of a country like this. I'm happy for two things. I'm happy for a lot more than that, but right now I'm thinking of two very important things. One, of course, that I was born in this country. I'm glad for that. Dee and I have visited something like 120-some-odd countries, but there is none like this one. This is the place, and I'm delighted to be an American. And so many of you who were either born here or who have come to this country can with pride say, thanks be to God for the opportunity to be here and to have freedom, to honor God, to worship, and to be a part of a country where freedom is made available. The second thing and the most important thing that I'm delighted about and thank God for is that I found Jesus Christ as my Savior many, many years ago. What a wonderful experience to say I have that kind of relationship with God. I know many in this congregation have felt the pain and the loss that has come through these past weeks. You've lost a number of people. You lost a good friend in Ralph D. Simone. You lost a member of your staff in J.R. You lost someone that maybe many of you didn't know, but who was very much a part, intricately so, of this community in Sarah Beardsley. And now you have lost a former uh, moderator in Daryl Waldron. I had the privilege of baptizing Daryl, uh, talking to him about his faith in Jesus Christ, forming the wedding for him and Jackie. So I feel a, a great loss and yet a recognition that his is the better part and that if we grieve, we grieve not for Daryl, but we grieve for ourselves, for we are the ones that are left here and his is the better part in being with the Lord Christ. The passage of scripture which was read from Exodus, these are the words of Moses. He's saying this is a special day. In Exodus, this 12th chapter, this is a day you are to commemorate. You are to remember. Don't forget it. And what was it he was suggesting? This was the institution and the inauguration of the Passover. It is a time when the people of the Hebrew uh, community recognized they had been delivered by God from the hand of the oppressor. 
And they would remember the Passover angel as he looked upon the post and the lentil and saw the sign of those who believed in an almighty God. And because of that, and because of their understanding of that, there is here a recognition that is so important. I'd like to read just a couple of verses of Scripture. I'm having to use that since there isn't anything else here. You know, I can't hide behind a thing. I don't need to... There, now, now I have some place I can put the Bible and wander around. You know, don't most pastors do that this day? They just sort of wander all over the place. I hope not in their thinking, just in their perambulation. Here, if you will, from the book of Exodus, the 12th chapter, beginning with the 24th verse. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Tell them, it is the Passover sacrifice. And a sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when we were, when he struck down the Egyptians. Then the people bowed down and the people bowed down and worshiped. The Israelites did just what the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. What will you tell them? What will you tell your children? What will you tell your grandchildren when they ask, what does this mean? When they see the flag flying on the 4th of July. When they come to a place like this and see the communion, what does it all mean? I wonder if we have an answer. If we recognize the opportunity and the challenge that's given to us as parents and grandparents and relatives to answer the question, what does it mean? I'd like to speak to you from three points of view. Every preacher has three points, and I have three. I don't have a poem. Sorry about that. But... I'd like for us to look at this retrospectively first, and then I want us to look at, look at it with introspection, and then with prospection. The three tenses give to us the opportunity to think about what does it mean. First of all, Nash, from our nationality and from the understanding of the beauty that is ours as Americans, we can say this country was founded upon a desire for the people coming from Europe to worship God according to the dictates of their conscience. That's important. That's tremendously important for those people. When they first wrote the Constitution in 1620, which they did aboard the Mayflower, they wrote, in the name of God, we make this declaration. The people who went to South America went with a different desire than the people who came to this country. They went seeking gold. Coming here, they came seeking God. Take the L out, you see, as you understand why people came here in the first place. Notice on your dollar bill the pyramid with the eye set above it, the eye of God looking down upon this country. What a wonderful thing it is to recognize that this country has a basis which suggests to us wholeness, oneness, and a worship of the Almighty. So easy to miss that. So easy to think about other things. But as you reflect, and in retrospection you can say, thank God for this country. But then when we think about this particular event, which we will now participate in in a few months, What does this mean? It means that you and I have the privilege and the opportunity to declare our dependence upon God. Not independent. 
not free to do anything we jolly well please, but to recognize we have here dependence upon the one who makes available to us everlasting life. When we think about our friends who have passed from this life, what a joy it is to know and to recognize their dependence upon a living God makes way for them the passport, as it were, into the heavenly portals. What a beautiful thing to say, I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. What day? That day when I enter into his presence. That day when I find the joy that is mine. And these symbols, a small cup with juice in it, a broken piece of bread. The children may ask, what does it mean? It means life everlasting because within that broken bread one can see the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for us, giving his life, giving his body, recognizing the opportunity to give to us entrance into the presence of God. And that little cup which suggests to us that he shed his blood. The book tells us in Leviticus, without the shedding of blood there is no remission for sin. And so it was the blood of the Lamb, not the Paschal Lamb of the Passover, but the Lamb of God which makes available to us this table as a memorial. Moses said, this is a day that you should not forget. This is a period in life in which you should regale God and understand the joys that are yours. Let's look beyond that which happened early on, all of the founding of our nation, all of the beginnings of this sort of understanding and think introspectfully. What does it mean to me in my heart? Is it just something I do on Sunday morning? Is it something that's a part of a lesson that someone teaches? Is it going to be just teaching English to Chinese people? Is there something deeper to it? I want to say the scripture says, deep cries unto deep which means that which is within me relates to that which is mine because of my relationship to Jesus Christ. I think deeply within my heart, and I say, oh God, what could I ever do to deserve this? And the answer is nothing. There isn't a thing you can do. It's all been done in your behalf. All that I must do is to respond to the invitation. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Sins that were red shall be like the wool. That which has been polluted becomes pure in the pureness of the snow. And one can say, I have been transformed. I have been redeemed because of the symbol here suggested by this little cup. Without the shedding of the blood of the Lamb, no remission of sin. But because of it, I am a new person. I am a redeemed individual. I have found newness of life. What does it mean not only in the past and what's happening in the present? Think about our nation. Think about the struggle in which we are involved, trying to overcome terrorism, insurrection, rebellion. And those of you who have been to other places, recognize the wonders that are ours in democracy when you see what takes place in communism. Or if you go into the Middle East and you see where there is a desire for theocracy to put Islam in its proper position in their minds. And one can say, thanks be to God that today there are men and women willing to defend 
our country, who are standing firm for the principles that are ours in democracy. And so these two events, the event of the 4th of July, the event of a communion celebration, says to us, think about the past. What does this mean? Secondly, think about what really does it determine for us in our innermost being. And thirdly, what will this all look like in the future? Have you ever thought about what's going on? Are you aware that there are the problems and the stresses of ecology, the global warming, all of those things that cause us to be worried about pollution and contamination? Christians ought to be aware of ecology. We ought to be doing our best to be strong and to help, not to be a detriment in this world of which we have been given a beautiful opportunity. And so I'm looking ahead and I'm saying, will there still be a communion such as this? Will there be people who gather together and remember what it is that was done for them? What about 2025? Will there be groups like this who come to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth? What do you think? The scripture says the world may pass away, but my word will always be. It will never pass away. And how long shall we do this? Till I come. When is that? Have you ever thought about when the Lord's going to come back? Have you really? Some people back in 1911 thought he was coming back right at that point. And they sold everything they had and put on resurrection robes, went up to the top of the hill and said, well, the Lord's coming back because we read it. Here are the signs, here are the figures. And he didn't return. And there they were, having sold everything and having to struggle to remain. Others are saying, well, I think he's going to come back at a certain time. When I was a kid, I used to go to evangelistic meetings in tents. Some of you say, well, I don't remember anything about that. You're too young. But they used to have all of these charts around the tent. Scared the dickens out of me. They had these symbols of revelation with the dragons and the seven heads. And I'd go to bed at night and I'd say, oh, Lord, I lay me down to sleep. I'm, I'm afraid that I won't wake up. Take my soul. You know the prayer. But he didn't come back. But are you aware of the fact he could come back right now? While you're sitting in these pews, the Lord could return and take you into his presence immediately. I hope he would. I like to be preaching when the Lord comes back. I think you would like to be found in church when God returns. I have a feeling he's coming Saturday night when you're under some sort of duress about uh, things going on around you. Keep watch, says the Lord. His coming is known only to the Father. And so I suggest to you, not only do we think about the past, not only do we think about the present, but what about the future? How strong will you be in your faith? What if you were asked to either give up your faith and be a part of a political party or a movement or a regime or to can't not your faith in Christ and your life be sacrificed. That would be a challenge, wouldn't it? How many of us would be strong? How many of us would say, I will never recant my faith in Christ? And so as you look to the future, your children may ask, what does this mean? What is it all about? And you can say, it's my commitment to Christ. It is my desire to live my life without reserve. 
It is my commitment to the Lord Christ to serve Him to the best of my ability. How shall I love Him? How shall I serve Him? The Scripture says, Thou shalt love Him with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, all that you are. That's total commitment. I suggest to you, when you are asked, what does the flag mean? What does the table mean? That you think about the past, you think about the present, and you look toward the future. God help us to celebrate and rejoice in the name of the Lord. Pray with me. Thank you, Lord. How can we do less than give you our best and live for you completely after all you've done for us? Thank you for our country. We're proud and thankful for it. But even more so, thank you for our faith and our salvation through Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.